Welcome to Un Uninformed. I'm Sean Seavey. Each week, Un Uninformed helps you in being connected to the world around you so you don't feel so dumb around your smart friends. Today, we're talking about stereotypes, prejudices, and implicit bias. Consider this when you're in an argument with somebody and they say, Well, you're biased. And then you say back to them, No, you're biased. Well, you're both right. Because we all have biases, whether you realize it or not. We're talking about the differences between stereotypes, prejudices, and implicit bias. But more importantly, we're talking about what we can do about it. Last week, I went to an event which had a panel discussion about stereotypes, prejudices, and implicit bias. This event was hosted by two organizations, Living Room Conversations and The Village Square. If you've been listening to Uninformed a little bit, you've probably heard of these organizations before because we've done podcasts at their events. One of them was Climate Change, and the other one was Sex Ed in Schools. As you can see, they put together a panel with people of differing opinions, and they get them to have a civil conversation. But to be successful in having civil conversation, they first have to lay down some ground rules. Here's the moderator, Dr. David Parker, who is the director of the Center for Creating Community. We're going to ask that this be a civil conversation. Talk with passion, listen with passion, disagree with passion, but we do it kind of silently. We're going to ask people not to clap and cheer if somebody says something you like, or hiss and boo if people say something you don't like. They tried without success to implement these in the Hillary-Trump debates last year. Remember that? Now, the moderator jokingly said one audience member gets an exception to this no applause rule. It was the guy on the table on the front row wearing the Utah Jazz jersey. The only person I can applaud throughout the evening is this gentleman here because he's dressed for the occasion. (laughs) He can do that, but only after 8.30. So literally, right after this event in Salt Lake City was the NBA Finals uh, Game 2 of uh, Jazz versus Warriors. Remember this guy in the Jazz jersey. He comes into play later in the evening. So there's one more means to ensure there was a civil conversation among the panelists. We have something in the discussions that I call a civility bell. In case... You've never heard a bell before. This is what a bell sounds like. A civility bell. So if someone throws a personal attack or gets uncivil, they get a little ding, 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 ding. If they had this in the presidential debates, the whole debate would have been sounded like this. Ding, 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 ding. The whole entire time. After the panel discussion, they turned the time over to us in the audience to have our own civil conversations about stereotypes and bias right on our table. I'll be using the words of wisdom from both the panelists and some of the friends I made at my table to help us have a greater understanding about the issues of stereotypes and bias. Now to tie this all together, let me give you an example of when I put a group of people into a stereotype, which then caused me to have prejudice and bias. So one day, I told my roommate, Man, I hate bullet bikers. He responded, Well, my dad's a bullet biker. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) 
And then, of course, I try to dig myself out of the hole and say something like, well, well, I'm, I'm talking about other bullet bikers that, that blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I guess bullet bikers are people too. Are you starting to see how we do stuff like this all the time and how this is something that all of us do? Let's first talk about what is the difference between stereotypes, prejudice, and implicit bias. First, prejudice. Here's what Derek Monson had to say. He's part of a conservative policy think tank called the Sutherland Institute. I would say that uh, stereotyping is, uh, I guess, again, from what I've seen in politics, is grouping people together in ways that tend to resemble more caricatures than accurate portrayals. Um, particularly when applied to a specific individual. Uh, so as a group, they may seem to kind of have some accuracy, but then whenever you actually interact with someone in the group that you're talking about, it becomes clear that that's really not true in some important way. So I made a stereotype that was based on the caricature that bullet bikers were people who only cared about themselves. And they were these hot shots that uh, liked to bust gaps between cars like they owned the road. But I didn't intend on having these same thoughts toward my roommate's dad. Here's another way to look at stereotypes. Carla Kelly founded an organization called the Human Rights Education Center for Utah. It aims to teach uh, youth to uh, recognize stereotypes that lead to prejudices like bullying and racism. Here's what she said about stereotypes. What I've taught kids to help recognize Stereotypes is when you say, if you put all in front of any group of people, you're probably leaning into a stereotype. A.K.A. all bullet bikers are self-centered people. Or, for some other things, all, insert, you know, race, sexual orientation, political party, or some other demographic, all of these are, insert, attribute, that's usually not really nice. So that's stereotype. Let's talk about prejudice. How's that different from having a stereotype? Here's Derek Monson. Prejudice, I think it's connected a lot of times to stereotype, is uh, creating a a preference or, well, preference for or against uh, groups of people. It's a preference. So in saying, I hate bullet bikers, I showed that I very much did not prefer to be on the road with a bullet biker as compared to, you know, being with motorcyclists on a cruise, cruiser bike or other cars on the road. And here's what Carla Kelly had to say. Um, prejudice, I believe, is a learned behavior. I do not believe that we come into this planet prejudice. We learn it. Either consciously or unconsciously, but we learn it. And as it's learned, it can be unlearned. So I learned this prejudice based off of a bunch of bad experiences I had on the road. But there is hope. I can unlearn that. But we'll talk about unlearning prejudices later. Finally, what is implicit bias? Derek Monson again. The implicit bias element, I can agree with with what uh, my colleague was saying about that Prejudice is a learned thing, uh, whereas implicit bias is not. It's uh, Implicit bias is something that I think uh, we all have 
as human beings. Um, Frank is kind of how we're how we're made. We interact with people, um, and over time, we uh, whether through personality or through uh, just kind of intellectual uh, preferences and those kinds of things, we have these biases towards might just might not even be people, be ideas, organizations, whatever it is. But those then influence our decisions in ways that we maybe are not as conscious of because because they're just buried in they're implicit. This is also called unconscious bias. So this is a bias that uh, we may not even realize that we had. So for my bullet bike example, so I think I would do things uh, to not let bullet bikers pass me um, long before I consciously realized that, you know, I hated bullet bikers. Now, what if these stereotypes and prejudices and biases are an accurate description of the person? And are stereotypes always bad? Here's Richard Williams, who's a professor at Brigham Young University. I'm not disagreeing with what anyone says. I just think it's important to keep in mind that these things are of themselves just part of living. I mean, I'm, I'm an academic, and somebody says he's a stereotypical Oxford professor. You know what we mean, and, and there's nothing bad intended in that. And uh, as long as we have grounds and reasons for what we do and think and understand, they are, by definition, before the fact. So there'll be prejudgments, there'll be biases. So the question... I think that that is important, in my judgment, is the content of these things and and where that content comes, and that's the part that ends up hurting people. Um, But we're going to have them, so we need to be concerned about the, the moral and ethical content. So he says that stereotypes aren't inherently bad. There's a difference between putting our professor in a category and putting people in a category that dehumanizes them. That's the big difference there. So so we've talked about the differences between stereotypes, prejudices, and biases, but now let's talk about solutions. What do we do about it? Let me give you a bias that I've experienced. It's been as I have been a road biker, and, and by road biker, I'm talking about, you know, the the bike that you pedal with skinny bike tires, not not a motorcycle. Now, in me giving this example, I do not intend to imply that the the silly issues I face as a road biker are at all comparable in magnitude to the prejudices that people face every day that are much worse than the silly things I have as a road biker. But I think it illustrates a few principles about overcoming bias. So it's quite common that when someone is driving me in the car, they'll they'll see a road biker at the side of the road, you know, kind of hogging the road, and they'll say, Man, road bikers suck. <laughs> then, uh, you know, they, they talk about how they hog the road and they're going below the speed limit and how there's no reason they can't just move over to the shoulder so cars are not hindered by these stupid road bikers. This is where I reply, well, you know, I'm a road biker. You know, and they might respond, oh, oh, I mean uh, other road bikers. <laughs> now, um, now for all of you listening, whether you may be uh, listening to this in your car or at work, raise your hand if you are also annoyed by road bikers getting in the way of traffic. 
Now I'm going to make a stereotype. I'm going to guess that pretty much all of you raising your hand right now or imagining that you're raising your hand because I guess, you know, plenty of you are might be embarrassed to raise your hand in the workplace, but I guess that pretty much all of you who are raising your hand are not roadbikers yourselves. There there's just there's just a few things that I want non-road bikers to understand about the issues of riding a bike in traffic. And I usually try to give my upset non-road biker friends the same spiel. Many non-road bikers don't realize that the reason that road bikers ride so close or sometimes even on the white line is that when you move over to the shoulder, you encounter gravel that's just as wide as those skinny tires on your bike. So that's kind of scary. And so, you know, some people may say, well, why can't they just ride on the sidewalk? Well, first of all, that's illegal in most places in the United States. And secondly, this is what it's like riding on the sidewalk on a road bike. Yeah, they they don't have shocks. It's not a mountain bike. So what I do want from people who have a bias against road bikers like myself, well, here's a question posed by the moderator. So can bias be unlearned? And here's the response from Janetta Williams, who's the president of the NAACP Salt Lake branch. I think it can be. It's just like somebody may have a, a prejudice against you know, a group of people, and they lump one person in with a whole group of people, and uh, they have this uh, bias against the person or the group of people. And as I mentioned before, once they learn more about that person or that group of people, then they come to the conclusion that, uh, that they had some type of bias against them, and it can be unlearned. As a road biker, I just want people to understand what I go through and to think twice before honking because they may not know how terrifying it is to ride in, in traffic where, where you face the risk of potentially being hit by a car on one side or potentially like skidding off the road because you have dra- gravel the size of your bike tire. I mean the, the width of it, not you know the diameter. It's not that big of gravel. Now, Janetta with the NAACP... And for those of you who don't know, that was an organization founded in 1909, and it stands for National Association of the Advancement of Colored People. And uh, she deals with uh, issues of race with people in the Salt Lake community. It's nice when I get the opportunity to sit down in the car and explain my issues as a road biker. But how often is it happening with issues of race, where they're actually sitting down and talking about some of the issues they have and people are listening? How often are, are, are people getting that car ride conversation that I've had so many times? Here's Derek Monson again. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think um, this is an area important for support to distinguish between biases. You, know, you can have a bias against people. You can also have a bias, bias against uh, ways of thinking uh, or sets of values or uh, things like that. And all of those can be unlearned um, or rather influenced uh, but I think what it takes, I think, is, is interacting with people who can recognize those things and help us see them. Um, because I think, you know, in the day-to-day busyness of life, it's really, really hard 
to find a ton of time to be so introspective to root out every one of your, your little implicit biases or, or things that could lead to a prejudice or a stereotype. It becomes much easier when you interact with people who are different from you. Um, uh, so again, if it's po politics on different sides of the political spectrum, if it's you know cultures, uh, different races, different ethnicities, uh, different sexual orientations, that then can help you see things from a different perspective that, that you could probably do if you sat down long enough, but that most of us don't, don't have the time to sit down long enough and, and to do that. Uh, so the practical solution then is to interact with different people and, and to actually consciously go and find those people to interact with because you know, we're living in a world where it's very easy to interact only with people that are like you. The solution is interacting with people not like you. In essence, Derek was saying, if you think the only people who are people are people who look and think like you, do you, do you see where I'm going here? Does this sound familiar? Hit it, Pocahontas. You think the only people who are people are the people who look and think like you. But if you walk the footsteps of a stranger... You learn things you never knew, you never knew. The two main issues of bias that were brought up in this panel discussion were bias against Muslims and bias against the LGBT community. Let's hear from Aidan Batar, who is uh, the director for refugee uh, resettlement and immigration for uh, Catholic Community Services, uh, that's CCS, um, in Salt Lake City. And he's a refugee himself. I work with uh, more than 50 different nationalities at a given time coming to this country as a refugee and also coming from different backgrounds. So every day, media, with uh, stop us, even our president, and uh, we, we hear a lot of stuff all the time. We don't want them here, uh, why they're here, and you know, terrorists, and, and so forth. Uh, we're dealing with human beings who went through so much. We're not ready for that. So what do we do to fix the biases against these refugees? One, one thing that I enjoy in my, my jobs, you know, going out and talking to people, and I always tell them, you don't have to travel outside of Utah to learn other cultures. Come to Catholic Community Services, and I will make sure that at the end of the day, you will change your mind. <laughs> now let's talk about discrimination towards people of the LGBT community. Here was a question submitted by an audience member. Can we truly unlearn bias? In this case, this, the, the writer of this question is speaking about of, toward the LGBT community. If one holds a religious view that LGBT lifestyle is immoral. Here's Carla Kelly. My response to that is love trumps it, period, the end. That's my, but I'm a mother of a gay son and a gay grandson and many friends of my gay. And, and, I, and it, it, being introduced to that culture has been one of the greatest and most beautiful, and it makes me cry, um, opportunities of my life. And if you're a parent, you know, parents, parents are, of gay kids are bringing forward so much beautiful information. They're strong, and they, they stand up and they say, these are our kids, and they're good, moral kids, and we love them, and that's our first obligation. Let me comment on that with my thoughts. 
I can't speak for every religion, but as far as uh, Christianity goes, uh, Jesus made it pretty clear in his host of commandments he taught that the two commandments that were way more important than all the other ones were, number one, to love God, and two, to love your neighbor. So further down the list of commandments are, are commandments about you know what's moral and what's immoral. But the first two are all about love. Another thought while I'm on the Christian soapbox here, critics of Jesus were always giving him a hard time for hanging out with people not like him. There were publicans, and those were people that were politically at odds with the Jews. And there were straight-up sinners. People gave him a hard time for that. So think about that. Anyway, I I guess that section kind of turned into uh, the Christian preacher's part of the segment. Well, uh, well, uh, can I get an amen? Amen! So after the panel discussion was segment two, where we had our own civil conversation about the issues. And among other issues, we talked about prejudice toward the LGBT community. One of the guys on my table, named Corey Thorell, had a connection to Carla on the panel. Like, Carla is my mom. Oh, so you're the son. I'm one of them. I'm one of them, right? Um, Okay, this just got cooler. And working... (laughs) It just got cooler because... He was the gay son of Carla that she was talking about. And uh, this was a good opportunity um, to, as Pocahontas says, walk the footsteps of a stranger or to get a perspective of someone in the LGBT community that maybe we might not get in our everyday walk of life. Here's an interesting story he uh, shared with us. It was a gay pride day parade. And I had dressed up as a cosmic clown, right? And I was in this big clown outfit more than... I wasn't in drag, really. I had a big beard at the time, and I had a big rainbow wig and silly big boots and clown, cosmic clown. And people were coming up to me, and I did, this was, it was such a surprise, and it was such a gift. Um, people would come up to me and go, oh, I love you, can I take a picture with you? And i go, oh, I love you too, yes, yes. And I just became this kind of happiness. This essence, and you couldn't tell it was me. I had makeup and stuff. Sure. It wasn't Corey that was standing there. It was this shaman, this cosmic clown in a way. And so next thing you know, I became this thing. Where it, it, I just, it was like, oh, and I love you. And I love you. And I love you. And oh, my gosh, I love you. And I next thing you know, I was cracking myself up. And I was having a blast. And people were happy. <laughs> and we're kind of moving along. And often there's the corner where all of the, the, the homo haters are with all of their signs and you're going to rock in hell and all of that stuff. Right. And I just turned and it's like, and I love you. <laughs> and of course the crowd goes crazy behind me. And then uh, I didn't know that because at first I'm looking at him in the eye sure. and I'm like, okay, you're my brother in this life and these are your values and I'm going to stand right here as this cosmic clown. And he's like, you're a sinner, and you're going to rot in hell. He's looking me in the eye. And I'm like, you don't know me. And I love you. I love that you're here. I love you, love you, love you. And it literally just dismantled the whole thing. So fight the haters with love. There's that word again. You don't have to, you know, dress up 
uh, like a clown or straight up say, I love you, I love you, I love, love, love you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. Anyway, but but fighting hate with hate is kind of uh, is kind of the status quo right now. Um, and it, and it's not effective in in uh, making things better. Now, one more thing happened in this event um, where it might have been hard to show any type of love. Um, you'll see what I mean. It was it was right after the panelists finished their part. Um, so remember that dude sitting on the front row that I told you to remember? That dude in the Utah Jazz jersey? Well, here's where he comes into play. David, let me... Uh, I'm going to interrupt this meeting. Uh, I'm going to say right now that uh, this panel does have a lot of bias, and this panel is playing into what I believe is white supremacy, and that if you look at the language of the white people on this panel, if you look at the body language of the white people on this panel, they are talking over people, they are talking more than people, they are holding the mics right up to their mouths, ready to speak at any given moment, and not letting other people talk. (coughs) Let other people talk. Now let's pause for a second. Try to imagine what this was like. All eyes were on him. Some wondered if this guy was a plant in the audience. He wasn't. Furthermore, the Sutherland Institute being on this panel is an absolute joke. The Southern... That was, of course, the civility bell you just heard. Thank you for ringing the bell. I'm going to leave right after this comment. The Sutherland Institute being on this panel is an absolute joke. They do not represent tribal sovereignty or tribal sacred lands. They have attacked tribal sovereignty and tribal sacred lands since the inter, since the Bears Ears Coalition has started to talk about Bears Ears. So at this point, the moderator, Dr. David Parker, calmly walks over to this guy, puts his hand on his shoulder, and what does he do? Well, check this out. I do not agree with anything that the Sutherland Institute has to say up here. I believe that this panel is supporting white supremacy, and I believe we are all complicit in white supremacy and sitting along and not saying anything about it. Thank you. It is not my intent to tell that person they don't have a right to have those express to have those feelings. It is my intent to remind us that we still live in America, where everyone is entitled to their opinion, everyone's entitled to feel the way they feel, but at the same time we need to learn to be a bit gentle with one another. Wow. This guy's good. I mean, I don't I don't think uh I would have handled it this way. I don't think most people would have handled it the, such an awkward situation with, you know, such maturity. Dr. Parker goes on. I have a closing comment to make, 
Um, on this phone here, as many of you probably have a phone that you get emails and videos, etc. I have a video of my my 10-month-old grandnephew and the first steps that he took. And the first one he took, he took a step and then fell right down on the ground. And he got up and took two more and he fell down again. What does that have to do with tonight? I feel that tonight is that first step. I feel that is a conversation that is needed, is a conversation that has been pushed under the rug, is a conversation that has been ignored far, far, far too long. If we're going to take steps to understand who the other is, if we're going to take steps to identify the other and identify what I am doing to cause the discontent, the disconnect happening in our society, we need to take those steps. And as my 10-month-old grandmother, grand-grand-nephew is learning, we have to practice those every day. There's a lot that we can get out of this impromptu teaching moment about civil dialogue. Here's what people on my table had to say about this uh, shortly after the jazz dude walked out of the room. So in a sense, that fellow brought a piece of contrast to it that, right. uh, that, uh, wasn't, that I think was missing. And I'm not being critical of it. Yeah. I mean, our intent here is to be civil and to have a good discussion. But I think until you get down to maybe some specifics and some issues that really are controversial, then it's hard to really um, generate a lot of enthusiasm in about the topic. That was Larry Mulcock. Then Corey had a few things to add to that. My first re- reaction to the gentleman who left us is I wish he was still here. More, more than anything is to hold each and every one of us accountable to be in a conversation with him. Yeah, I'd have a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I you think know. he was off the mark, but... <laughs> You know, but then again, you know, my perspectives of the world yeah. are considered off the mark by right. so many. Maybe there's some things I missed. Right. Well, and, and he represents all the people that don't have, that, I mean, he's very much an outlier of the people who tend to come to this, who tend to be a little more open-minded and civil, and we need to learn to talk to people like that, right? Isn't that, I think, what this conversation's about, is learning how to talk to each other. Learning how to talk to each other is what this was all about. Now, this Utah jazz dude, let, let's cut him some slack. I mean, that day was a rough day. The jazz game he watched after the event that night, that was game two of the NBA Finals with the Warriors, and, well, the jazz lost. Rough day. And should we even be surprised by his conduct? I mean, this guy was a stereotypical jazz fan. Oh, there goes my bias again. Well, I'm a jazz fan too. Thanks for listening. This was a fantastic episode, but I'm biased. Speaking of which, hopefully you can find yourself being less biased after listening to this. We have a lot of episodes that make you rethink the way you think. If you're into that, subscribe to Uninformed on your phone's podcast app. 
Also, a shout-out goes to Melanie Jones with Brainy and Beyond for sharing our posts. And for any of you out there, if there's an episode you like, repost it on Facebook and uh, we'll give you a shout-out. Our music is provided by Dee Dee Dumbo. I'm Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un-Uninformed. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>